listening to the Pasco Podcast with Mike Carvalho. Welcome to Season 3 of Pasco Podcast, a series about leadership and public service. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the nearly 600,000 people of Pasco County, as represented by the Board of County Commissioners. It's through their trust and empowerment of our workforce and leadership team that we're able to bring you this podcast. This podcast is designed to help public servants build leadership skills and leverage them for success by sharing the experiences of our peers. Hi, I'm Mike Carballa, and welcome to our 27th episode of Pasco Podcast. As many of you know, Pasco County is now running our Correction Center, and we're very happy to introduce to you two of our new team members who are managing the jail operations, Chief Corrections Officer Stacy Jenkins and Deputy Chief Tim Sarasoli. Stacy, Tim, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We're glad we're glad to have you not only here on the podcast, but as part of the uh, Pasco Board of County Commissioners side of the house. So uh, it's it's a fantastic opportunity. So before before we really get into the the meat and potatoes of this, um, really would just like to get a little bit about yourselves and maybe how you came to work at where where you are today here at the Correction Center. So Stacy, let's just start with you. Give, tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Um, so um, did not. Um, start my profession wanting to be in the corrections field, be real honest with you, right? Right, um, right. So didn't understand the environment that I was getting into. I recognized that I wanted to be in law enforcement at, at a very uh, young age. Um, went back when I got hired, they did not hire 18, 19 year olds. Um, you know, I was, well, I was 19 when I started, but um, for law enforcement. Um, so I, came into the corrections profession with the intent of eventually going out to patrol. Uh, I am dual certified, um, which means I hold a concurrent certificate in law enforcement and corrections, but I got into the correctional environment and really just loved the, the teamwork that's involved in there and just felt like it was a really, really good fit for me. So uh, 31 years later, here I, here I am, right? Wow, fantastic. So serendipitously just kind of fell right into it, and that's that's fantastic. Tim, same for you. Uh, similar. Uh, went through the uh, Law Enforcement Academy, uh, went to patrol in 90. Uh, didn't work out for me, so they offered me opportunity in the, the corrections facility there. Again, realized it was more my niche of, of how I, I operated, how I felt the camaraderie, family feeling inside there. Even back then, in the day, there wasn't a lot of people on the squad, maybe three, four people. But it was really a nice environment there. And then went up through the chain. And 32 years later, I ended up retiring from the sheriff's office. And then I got a invite from the, the chief here to come back a year later. And, and here I am because I really, really enjoy that environment. Some people may say I'm institutionalized. I don't know, but I really enjoy that environment. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I can see that too. You know, you talk you talk about the camaraderie of of the team there at at uh, at the jail. Um, you know, when when we did those visits and and just even walking around and, and talking to the various shifts and the folks there, civilian, you know, and 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 sworn alike. Um, there is a there is a feeling of family there, and that's that's fantastic. So let's let's talk let's let's take it a step back. So Stacy, you're now the chief corrections officer for the for the county, and Tim, you're you're on the deputy side of that. Um, tell me a little bit about your leadership philosophy. Well, I think we want to create a culture um, that does have a, a family feel feel to it. 
Um, but also we, we have certain goals that we have to achieve within the correctional field. So um, we want the inmates to leave better than when they came in. So, um, you know, just treating them with the respect that, that they deserve. Um, we want our staff to be able to make decisions. So we have to ensure that they're, they're competent um, and trained in making those decisions. And then we, we need to offer them uh, the right amount of support at the supervisory level. So we just want a, a culture that just promotes uh, collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that aligns very well with what we talk about with people, purpose and performance here. Right. We talk about empowering our people, giving them the tools, the training, you know, and as leaders, part of our job is, is servant leaders. Right. Is to break down those barriers and those obstacles to their success. So giving them what they need uh, and, and letting them go do the job. Right. Um, you know, kind of kind of allows allows good things to happen. And, and typically they do. And and your mission, of course, is 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 one that uh, it's, it's dual purpose. Right. It, it, it we keep bad guys off the street, but with the hope that we're trying to rehabilitate them going, going back into, going back into society. So it's, it's fantastic. Tim, same, same question. You've been around the block too. No, you know? I've been, yes. Thank you. <laughs> a couple times maybe. Times, I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty familiar with the block now, but uh, um, servant leadership and prior to servant leadership and that moniker coming out, it was lead by example. Right. And I'm of the philosophy that I'm not going to ask the people around me to do something that I haven't done or I'm not willing to do. And I, and I see my leadership, I kind of call it a kind of a blend. Sometimes you're the father, sometimes you're the mentor, sometimes you're the boss, sometimes you're a little bit more, you know, depending on the situation, you know, autocratic, even in nature, just depending on what situations you get into. So my leadership is a, a blend of things. My, the trickiest part about with me has been when to be what? You know, there's points that, you know, when you're dealing with certain people in certain situations, you have to be that mentoring, that father figure kind of person, because unfortunately now I'm old enough to be most of their fathers. You know, that's <laughs> somewhere along the line I've lost, you know, some years. But uh, and then what point do I have to be that boss type that needs to get the mission taken care of? Because there are things that have to get done. So kind of balancing that has always been a challenge for me. But as time's gone on, I've, I've been I've been kind of getting into my my stride with that. Okay, excellent. So, um, at what point in your career, Tim, or when when did you first realize that perhaps you 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 wanted to be in a in a in a position of leadership? Well, uh, it kind of you know leadership was kind of weird with me there. It wasn't when it first started. It, it kind of got thrusted upon me. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't want to make decisions. A lot of people don't want to be responsible for their actions there. So the opportunity came early in my career, about 1993, to become a corporal. And 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 that small leadership helped out a little bit there. And I enjoyed the fact that I was responsible for my decisions and I was given a little bit more latitude to do things that I wanted to. But really, really what started solidifying my leadership was when I started joining special teams. We, I was part of the TAC team and the SWAT team. And leading people like that, leading those A personality kind of people, you have to change yourself. You're not the only A personality person. Or you have a group of people that way there. And that's kind of like in the jail. Everybody is a, has that outgoing uh, personality. And I, I, I really enjoyed the fact that I was able to lead these people and, 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 and encourage them to uh, be their better selves there and, 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 and they learn from me a little bit. So I would say like 
there's no defined time when it came. It just kind of evolved over time. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we talked in a previous podcast about just sometimes it just you, you just emerge and, and it just happens. Stacy, uh, same same question back back to you. Yeah. So um, never intended on being in a leadership role. And I think um, when I came into this career, it was just about being the right teammate. Uh, for the people that surround us. So you, you kind of sharpen, sharpen your, your, your point when you're trying to do things for other people. So really, I developed uh, the, the ability to run my housing units and impact other individuals and, and just we're all working toward the greater guilt, good. Um, so when you look at a, a leadership role, it's just making yourself a better person in order to impact the, the group. And I think that that really helped bring the, the, the cream to the top. Um, you know, it wasn't about me. It was about how I impact uh, the group. And then that that leadership, the the ability to lead, I recognized it. But more importantly, somebody else recognized that in me and they they helped develop me. Um, they, they sent me to classes. They put me in positions that I had an impact on other people. So it wasn't intentional. Um, I always just wanted to do a good job. Um, and, and with that, I, you know, I, I got fortunate enough for people to recognize that, that I did. And I could also help other people change uh, their perspective of the job. Well, that, that's 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 a fantastic story and, and how that how that evolves. So let me let me kind of skip ahead here in terms of some of our questions since, since you've kind of brought this up. You know, you somebody had recognized you know, at, at some point you got promoted to, to a corporal at, at, at some point, you know, you were recognized by, by somebody uh, to, to kind of take those next steps. What what do you collectively do now or what have you been doing to kind of help identify and eventually raise up, you know, future leadership? We're, we're obviously not going to be in these positions forever and we, we have to deepen that bench a little bit. So uh, what do you what do you do specifically that uh, kind of helps identify that talent and develop them more importantly. Right. So one of the first things that I did in this position was to bring Tim back, to be real honest with you. Um, he has a very unique uh, leadership ability. Um, he has the respect of, of staff. Um, so first off, you have to put the right people um, surrounding you and let individuals know that that they have the support. Um, a, a lot of leaders, I, I I think when you just look at somebody for their attention to detail, um, so somebody that wants to make the right decisions uh, for other folks. And so we recognize that in, in our staff members. So I don't have to be in the housing units every day. I hear about the good deeds that my, my deputies or my officers are, are doing. Um, so we do uh, some individuals to classes. We, we look at them. We put them in positions that challenge them. And so it's just grooming those individuals, um, providing the support to them, providing them the right guidance. Um, but a lot of it, it comes out in their own characteristics. You you see that um, really, really early in somebody's career. You have to give them the tools, but then what they do with those tools and how they lead others, um, it, it becomes pretty apparent at a, at a very young, um, at young time in their career. Okay. Tim, uh, any observations on bringing new leaders up through your organization? First thing I usually do is I observe, I watch. I'm, I'm too probably, uh, the chief gets upset on occasion that I don't spend as much time in the office that I need to, and, and in the case, so I get in early. But when I go out, I, I watch, and I try to see 
who those natural leaders are because people will gravitate towards leadership. They, they, they do that. And who's the one that the officers are in the pod asking advice from? Who's the people that they're talking to there when there's a problem? Who's the first one to respond to a situation and try to take control of that situation prior to supervision showing up? So I look at those people there. And then I also look at, at that point there, are these people those natural leaders for a good reason or a bad reason? Unfortunately, sometimes we have people that just by personality alone, people get drawn to them. And, and, and then you look at that person and you realize for the wrong reasons. And, and, and you don't want that there. So you look at those people there. Then, I'll, then once I start maybe identifying some of these people, even people I would say similar to myself that didn't think they were in a leadership role when I was my younger then you start talking to their supervisors and their coworkers and saying, what do you feel about such and such? And, and I usually try to do in a nonchalant way. Now in my position here, nothing I do is nonchalant. I can't walk around the jail without, you know. You're always know. on. I'm always on, yes. So it's no longer that there. What are they seeing these people there? And is that something that we can develop down the line there? Mm. Uh, finally, I start tasking them with things. And, and as, as, as the chief said there, I, I like pushing them not beyond their limits, but to their limits. You know, what more can I task this person with to see how they best respond to a new challenge in them? So we really, really try to start grooming people right off the bat. I, I feel that I'm able to identify leadership in people quicker than most. And, and I'm not saying anyone's a lost cause because I have some folks there that truly, truly work hard at being leaders. It doesn't come natural for them. But they work hard. So I also look at that. What kind of effort are they putting into the process there? Do they believe? And my final thing is passion. Do you believe in the job you're doing? Is it important? I hear things like this from people that turn me off. I'm just a. I'm just a jail guard. I'm just a corrections officer. I correct them right away. They're not just a. They're a very important part of that there. When I hear that from someone, we have to have those conversations. I'm saying, you're not just a, you're very important to this thing. So how are they interacting with each other is always a very important thing for me. Thank you. That, that's, that's very insightful. So in, in, terms of, in terms of leadership, Tim, uh, um, who or what uh, has been sort of the biggest influence um, in your life? So um, I have a, you know, you go to the, 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 the go-tos there. First of all, I'm a fan of the History Channel to the point that Mrs. Sarasoli has actually said I'm taking it away from you because I sit there <laughs> and I watch the same things over and over again. And I you're watch watching history things. repeat itself, yeah, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, it seems yeah. like, well, sometimes or, or you're doomed to repeat it, you know, so, but I, I watch it there and you do have historical leaders. And like I look at the Washingtons and I look at the Reagans and stuff like that. What traits did they have that separated them from the group. How did they get such buy-in to to what they wanted to do? And then I also have people closer to hand there. I had a teacher. Uh, his name was Mr. Abernathy, eighth grade teacher. I, I have a learning disabilities. I, I was in learning disability classes up through eighth grade. You know, the small classrooms, the small bus, the thing that we kind of look at. You know, and 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 I dealt with those issues. And he was a leader in my life that was saying. That's not a liability. It can be an asset if you use it the right way. So I remember this man to this day because I graduated from high school with uh, A's and B's. 
in normal classes at that point there because he believed in me. So he had made an impact. That was the kind of leader because what he was doing in those small classes with at that point in the 70s and 80s, people that weren't really considered, you know, people that was worth actually putting time and effort in, he was mentoring people. And and he's one of the reasons I'm here. I had supervisors like I had Bill Tinney and, and J.R. Lape who were good leaders at the time there. Unfortunately, they didn't evolve as leaders. They kind of got stuck in their, their their wheels there. I've had people not to be sound like I'm a, you know, trying to, you know, kiss off to the boss. Stacy Jenkins right here took time and effort with me. Again, have some issues with writing reports, have some issues with documenting things the way they're supposed to be. Used to kick back things there, not with that, you know, condescending tone. But that outreach, maybe you can do this better. Maybe you can do that better. So I've had a lot of people mentoring my life. But and 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 a shameless plug here, my wife, she is a phenomenal leader in a right that nobody could believe. There, she was supportive. She raised two phenomenal children, and and I go like this all day long. She is the. She done better in her my career is her career, and she gets always gets the accolades for that there. So the best leader in my life is Dana Sarasoli, to be honest with you. Wow. Wow. That's great. That's great. So Stacy, same same question. I mean, uh, an, an event, uh, a what, uh, an individual, what's what's really kind of been a big influence in your life in terms of leadership? You know, I, I think there's a couple people that have influenced me and just provided confidence in me. Um you, probably the the furthest back within my professional career really was a female major um, that we had. Um, you know, I was very young in my career, about about three three and a half years in, and um, they decided me to to appoint me as a as a corporal in our training unit um, to to send me to school to be an instructor, to send me to school to be a defensive tactics instructor, and and the person was a little bit rough around the edges, but for some reason she gravitated toward um, providing some mentorship for me and, and some opportunity. And I seen that person, uh, you know, probably a year and a half ago, unfortunately, at a, at a funeral. And, um, you know, I made sure that they rec- they understood that I recognized the opportunity that they provided me. There were not many females uh, working in the correctional field at that point in time. And they provided me opportunity that and, and really guidance and and just training um, that that helped me succeed. Um, so that was uh, one person. Um, and, and then just the supervisors that I've had in, in the recent past, where they just allow you to do your job, they put confidence in you. And if you have a question, they're willing to, to answer those questions. But otherwise, um, they really allow you to, to take your experience, run with it, and also develop your team. So um, those are those are the people. Um, she was a, a phenomenal leader for me, a phenomenal mentor. Uh, but there are a lot of other people um, really, really recently. And then um, most recently, I can tell you, it's my staff. Mm-hmm. So you don't always look for leaders because they're positionally in a leadership uh, position. Um, my staff have overcome a lot of challenges in the past three years. Um, they've dealt with COVID, uh, being put in COVID positive housing units. They've shown up to work despite some really um, 
some really difficult times. Um, we've gone through the transition. We've gone through staff shortages. But I can also tell you when we had the, the hurricane, there was not one person that did not show up. Um, you know, they nobody called out sick. Everybody was there. Um, so the, the commitment and the ability to lead from all my staff and recognize their responsibility, I really have to look toward um, them as positional leaders and um, leaders that other correctional facilities do not have the opportunity to have people with their character uh, underneath their charge. And I'm very, very fortunate for that. Yeah, oh, that gives me a, gives me goosebumps, literally, you know, talking, you know, to, to have your, your team be such an influence. I mean, and, and that's motivating us as leaders when we see that we want to continue to, to do better, you know, and, and do right by our teams. Um, any lessons on leadership, Stacy, over the years that, that you'd like to share? Challenges, successes? Well, I think early in my career, it was um, pretty black and white, right? There was um, areas that you you knew you needed to do this way because it was in a in a guideline, in a general order, right? right. And then um, I, I did have some personal challenges. And because of that, um, you really recognize the, the good in folks and you become a, a lot more of a compassionate leader. Uh, so it's not all about the black and white because people have different things going on in their life. And, and you have to be sensitive to that. And so the, the challenges for, for a new leader, I think it's understanding that there's emotions that, that go with this job and you can't make decisions and not every decision fits every single person. Um, so you have to find what motivates people. You got to find out what headspace that they're, they're currently in and um, understand it's not all black and white. So I think that's the biggest thing as a leader. Not everything, not every decision that you make is going to be, um, it's not going to be the right one for, for every single person. Um, I think you you have to have some flexibility with with leadership. Yeah, I think you know as you point out there, I, I just I kind of like to say that uh, you know we're in the people business as leaders. We are in the people business, no matter what it is that that we do. And uh, um, understanding that, being empathetic, and 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 recognizing uh, the the impacts that our actions have. You know, and, and understanding that we, you know, we balance those those mission things with with people all the time. But uh, we are in the people business. Yeah. Tim, same question. Any lessons for on leadership? One thing I've I, I've learned that's has done me well is don't think you're the smartest person in the room. And no matter how much time you have on the job, how much the, how long you've been doing it, there's there's conversations that happen with junior members. I mean, to a year or two on the job, they have a different perspective. And when you think you're the smartest person in the room, you stop listening and you stop learning. And at that point there, you stop developing as a leader. I mean, been in the leadership role since 1993. I think I've become a better leader based on the fact that I'm willing to listen mm -hmm. to others. I also want diversity in the people around me. People, I don't want to make a clone. There can't be a clone of Tim Sarasoli and there are a bunch of them running around that place. So it'd be it'll be chaos. I mean, they'd be <laughs> fighting each other and it'd be all it'd be it'd be a circus. It literally would. So you can't have everybody the same there. You have to understand that there's different ways of doing things, but we're getting to the end of the mission there. And that's been a challenge for me. And sometimes there because it's always been do A, B, and C. 
Sometimes some people do B, C, and A, but they get to where I need them to go. So embracing the diversity in people is very important. Understanding there's going to be conversations that there's a uh, there's dissenting opinions. I mean, to use a good example, Chief Jenkins was able to select her second in charge. She had a lot of people that would be phenomenal in that job, and that that goes unsaid. And she selected someone who doesn't have her management style. We have the same passion for the job. We believe in the mission. We believe in the men and women who work inside that building. But we have a different management style. Now, a, 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 a manager, somebody who just is worrying about themselves, would have selected someone who would have rubber stamped anything they said and not had those conversations. Occasionally, we will have, a, you know, a, a, a contrary opinions, but we always find that it's not from a position that we don't like each other or we're angry. We just want to do the right thing. And we just have a different way. So I try to carry that down with my folks. Sometimes I'll, I'll be listening to something and go, you're making me crazy in my head, but I listen to it because there may be at the end of the day something that they are offering that I didn't see. So that's kind of one of those things. It's been very challenging for me to understand that I need to embrace that diversity. And I also need to evolve as a supervisor. A lot of supervisors started off really great in their careers. They started off phenomenal in their careers, but they didn't realize the world was changing. They didn't realize there's generations. There's a couple of generations between me and my younger officers. What motivates me, the way I do my job, the reason I do my job is completely different for them. You know, I have 21 year old, heck, we had one at graduated academy at 18, 18 years old. Lord knows, I mean, you look at that, his motivations one of those. <laughs> are yeah, completely, <laughs> completely different, you know? So uh, embracing those motivations and knowing how you work with those and gain ownership for the the process that we have to do is 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 a is a a challenge but it's also rewarding too because it's amazing how you look at these different minds and and and, and how they see the world and, and 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 trying to change your mindset because we get kind of in that old rugged you know this is the way it's always been problem was this is the way it's always been does not work anymore that that doesn't work with the young guys and gals you say hey i, I said do that i mean there was a day my boss say do it, I do it, right? Now you, I say do it, they look at me and go, that seems kind of stupid, all right? And, and then, <laughs> then you go, all right, and then, then you have to kind of reinvent yourself to get that mission done. Yeah, you, Tim, you hit on some really, really great points. I wanna call back to a couple of them, uh, you know, diversity. Being, being one, you know, and as leaders, we're so tempted, we were talking about this uh, earlier, uh, we're so tempted to, to fill our ranks with people that think like us, look like us, act like us, and and uh, consequently make decisions like us. Well, if if that's the case, I, I guess we don't need all these people, right? Because you've got yourself already. So so to to recognize the the that diversity is important, Stacey, is fantastic. And yeah, yeah, I can I can see the differences between you guys. <laughs> it's very evident. But but in a good way, in a good way, because we make better decisions that way with with diversity. You also hit on what I would just call curiosity and being genuinely curious in in what our folks do and so listening to those ideas and, and understanding huh how do we uh maybe there is a better way to to do things and the last thing it was something we talked about in, in uh, episode 26 on the podcast was becoming bad leaders we've seen good leaders eventually kind of just 
fall off, you know, fall off track. Failure to evolve, I think, is what what you said, uh, and and to become and to continue to be good leaders. So we've 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 got to try to. You know, if we're good leaders, we want to continue to be good leaders. And so to that, uh, I, I guess a question, follow-up question, and maybe Stacy, you can answer this, is, you know, Covey talks about sharpening the saw, right? We always try to improve upon ourselves. Tell me a little bit about how you continue to sharpen your leadership skills and, and keep up with things. Um, so there's always professional seminars, right? So um, National Institute of Corrections has what they call a large jail network meeting, um, and that meeting has individuals who lead correctional facilities of over a thousand uh, inmates or more. Uh, so we have very similar environments and um, similar challenges. Uh, so we go to these um, large jail network meetings. Um, they bring in experts to to train us on the topics that we had previously asked for more guidance in. So, um, for instance, the last uh, large jail network meeting that we went to, we talked about um, mental health. We talked about the challenges with recruitment. We talked about ideas that other people have with regards to um, recruitment. We talked about medical assistant treatment for for the inmates. So we bring the topics to the National Institute of Corrections, and they bring in experts the next time that we go to the um, to the seminar um, that can address all of that. And there's a lot of collaboration, um, you know, both in the in the class and, and most certainly afterwards, uh, a lot of discussions. We we solve a lot of the world's problems uh, <laughs> a, after after the meetings. Right. <laughs> um, um, so you always have the seminars, the American Jail Association, um, the ACA, um, Florida Model Jail Standards. Um, you know, it's reading legal updates, it's understanding trends, it's understanding court decisions. Um, so all of those things help me um, develop as a leader and just recognize what's going on in the industry because it's important that you don't you don't fall behind. Absolutely. Tim, same same question over to you. Understand it's a changing world. Mm. Everything changes. Corrections nineteen ninety to corrections twenty twenty two is phenomenally different. I mean, the inmate population is different, understanding their needs, understanding that the way people look at the profession is different. So again, evolving, listening to those people, having conversations with people. I don't, I, finding the time to listen, even when I don't have the time to listen. Sometimes I go down there and I'm just wanting to do a quick set of rounds and one of the officers, they just wanted, they have, they have a litany of issues. And guess what? Their, their issues are important to them. So if I don't make those issues important to me, then I'm failing them. And, you know, because, and then I'll sit there and I, and I go and I say, well, see what we can do about these situations over there. But listening to how the, uh, how, what's, how the place is being ran that day. Because I've noticed with leadership, as you move up the chain, you become less and less in tune of what's happening down in the pods and down in the housing. It's, and, 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 and yeah, there has to be that separation. But if you get too separated, then you just don't know what's going on in the course of the day. So and, and, and how are the directions I'm given? I may give a direction that hypothetically we're going to serve chow at 10 o'clock instead of 1030. And that goes over 
like and uh, never mind how it goes over it doesn't goes over well right you know i was i was almost gonna you we can use the lead balloon yeah, yeah, yeah. Lead balloon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes over like and and why because i've lost maybe the understanding that at 10 o'clock we're running meds and we don't do challenge till 10 30. but without listening to people and without getting their input on what's going on in the process is i will spin my tires thinking i know the best thing and i don't so me trying to keep open-minded that I, again, and I keep on using this analogy because I have to tell myself this, I may be a subject matter expert, but I'm not a expert completely. So listening to my people and, and, and engaging with my people, I feel that helps me maintain a better, uh, a better approach to leadership. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so we're getting close to wrapping up here. Any tools or wisdom that either of you would <laughs> would would like to share that uh, our listeners might might benefit from? Go ahead. Uh, wisdom. Uh, one. Uh, I've always thought this here, and it's leaders can manage, but managers can't lead. Hmm. And 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 the way I feel about that <clears throat> is there's there's leadership. There's a, there's a manager. You go to. A, a fast food restaurant or you go somewhere, they have to make sure food costs, they have to make sure, you know, things get taken care of and staffing. But are they actually leading people? Are they imparting what they believe and getting that buy-in? And, and, and so leaders can get that buy-in. Managers are going to get someone in there to stock those shelves, get it done and leave. You know, uh, another thing I've always said is reference making decisions or solving problems. Doing nothing is not an answer. I always look at my people. I said, doing nothing is not an answer, guys. Sitting here waiting for the perfect opportunity for the, the circumstances to be perfect and you have all the information to make your decision is indecisiveness because that's never going to happen and you have to make a decision based on the information you have at that time there. And when you make that decision, I'm not going to be there with a hammer to hit you over the head. If you did it for the right reasons with the information you had and wasn't malicious, I'm going to be there to support you. If it goes sideways, it goes sideways. You know, at the end of the day, we want you to be successful and you can't be successful unless you get outside your wheelhouse. So those are the things. Give them the ability to make decisions. Understand that I'm not perfect, nor are they perfect over there. And just understand that if you're not supportive of your people, they are your best attributes, but they could be your worst enemy too. Depending yeah. on how you lead them, yeah, and you know, Tim, that's that's a key that's a key takeaway from from empowerment, right, or for empowerment, I should say. Um, if if you're going to beat your folks over the head because they make a mistake, you know, creating that environment where it's okay, guys, it's okay to make a mistake because you know what, you're demonstrating that you're thinking, you're demonstrating that uh, you're like you say, if you're doing it for the right reasons and you're you're doing you know doing those things, um, that leads to true empowerment and that will help people take care of the issues help lead themselves and hopefully emerge, uh, you know, have other leaders emerge. Stacy, anything that uh, you want to throw in there? You know, so so Tim mentioned um, potentially mistakes and decisions people make um, underneath them. Um, but I want to focus on, on myself here just for a second. It's about the decisions that I make um, that people may not agree with, okay. right? And so one thing that would would bother me is if um, 
you know, I make a, I make a wrong decision and, and my, my staff recognize that, right? And, and they can bring it to my attention. They're not shy about doing that. Um, but it's never to have them question my motivation, right? My motivation is always going to be about the decisions that I make that I believe will, will drive the profession and will be supportive of them. Um, so, you know, just be transparent enough that nobody ever, um, doubts the, the motivation that you have. And, and truly, I think we have the team there in, in corrections that our motivation is to serve the community and it's about making sure that our people are well supported. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that. So before we close out, got a couple of rapid fire questions oh, I want to ask you guys. These fire. are off script. Yeah. We're going so off you know, I'm going to put this right outside that uh, <laughs> the chief doesn't make any bad decisions. <laughs> <laughs> there are no there wrong are answers no. here. <laughs> none, none. So none. we'll start with the easy one. Yes. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. Dogs, dogs. Theme. Dogs. Theme today. Uh, favorite subject in school? History. <laughs> Math. Oh, nice. Lord. Nice. Do either of you speak more than one language? I speak gibberish. And quite well, sir. Yes. <laughs> quite well. Um, no. <laughs> All right, I think I know. I, Tim, I think I know your answer to this. Travel to the past or travel to the future? Past. Yeah, past. Past. Very good. Uh, what's the most random statistic you know? Oh, wow. Can't. None. Uh, None. I just, have, yeah, nothing. nothing. No Blake random minded. statistic. You got me right there. Got it. Yes. Got it. Deer in the headlight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out. No, not, not going. We're taking a pass. Phone a friend. Uh, yeah. Phone a friend. Yeah. Uh, one last one. Go to snack. Uh, Pringles. Pringles. A can a day almost. Nice. Yes. Stacy. No, dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Perfect. Well, listen, Stacy, Tim, thank you for joining us here today. It was great having you both. And a special thanks to our media relations team who makes this effort possible. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Pasco Podcast. I'm Mike Carballa, and we'll see you next time. For more information on Pasco County government, please visit mypasco.net and check us out on Facebook and Twitter.